0: Yeah, it wouldn't even need to be as ex- exciting world as cyberpunk. Keanu Reeves' house, he makes you breakfast, drops you off at the train station after <laughs> this,
1: is <laughs> <great>. <laughs> this is great. This is sandwich. great. I'm living my best
0: life. <laughs>
2: And welcome to another edition of Films on Trial. I'm Gav, I'm Alex, and I'm Dave.
1: Well That's done, it. guys.
2: <laughs> yes. There's only two of you here. There was a little yes. pause I,
1: there, wasn't it? And I still
2: hesitated. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Dave, Alex uh, had read his name out, and you're like, Who comes next? Who comes <laughs> next? <laughs> right now, this week we've got another good show up for you as we put the 2003 action sci fi film Matrix Reloaded. On trial, is it reloaded or is it out of ammo? Uh, <laughs> hey, it's good that one. Yeah, yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, it's better than your average. Yeah, well, to be honest, I spent a good—I'm going to say—12 minutes trying to come up with a Greek classical reference that I thought would please both of you. But then nice. I thought, fuck it.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> anyway, uh, essentially, we're going to find out if this film will be placed on our esteemed hit list or our steaming shit list. Now, before we go on, our last film on trial was Galaxy Quest. I judged that film and, spoiler alert, I deemed that it should be placed on the hit list. Now, I since went away and I watched the film, so did I make the right call? Yeah, I think it did. I mean, I, I really enjoyed it. Uh, it was a really good Sunday afternoon film. Very sort of lighthearted, doesn't take itself too seriously, quite campy, very funny. You know, I, I, I just thought if you were a fan of Star Trek, and if you're a fan of sort of like sci-fi comedy, this is like the perfect film for you. It was like a loving send up to Star Trek.
1: Yeah. Done very well. That And, that, and, and that, I think that's the key that Dave and Ozzy brought. It was just the loving aspect to it, isn't it? It's like, yeah. if it was just taking a piss out of like the... The sci-fi nerds—it just wouldn't have a nice feeling. Whereas, it really—they they are sci-fi nerds. Whoever made it, do you know what I mean? So, it's, yeah. it's, it's nice that they've got that. It's a—it's a loving touch to it.
0: It's
2: like, oh, isn't this silly? Give me a hug. Bring it. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> and of course,
2: Tony Shalhoub, who I don't think was discussed anywhere near as much. I know. I'm surprised.
1: <laughs> I thought that was going to be the main thrust of the argument. I didn't want to mention Tony at all. <laughs> <laughs> honestly,
2: if, if, any, if honestly, if you would have even attempted. To say a bad word about Tony Shalhoub, I will have disconnected you. No. <laughs> <laughs> Would have been kicked out of the court.
1: Uh, but that's, anyway, that's
0: yeah. how confident I felt in how good the film was, <laughs> that I didn't need to go for the low-hanging fruit that is Tony Shalhoub.
2: <laughs> the low-hanging fruit kick him out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, now onto the trial all of the roles have been picked out of the hat of random I say all the roles only two roles um, but you know what I'm going to read out the rest of the roles like they were here anyway so acting in defence and trying to get this film placed on the hit list will be Alex and Joel Alex is just like Helmut Bakaitis' character the architect a Sean Connery wannabe who would happily lounge around doing fuck all, but watching multiple screens all day. (laughs)
1: I mean not happily I do <laughs> I'm living my best life <laughs> I was going to say yeah, 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 but, uh,
2: <laughs> if this episode goes out after the eight, I didn't want to depress you if you listen back to it so uh, <laughs> yeah, true. anyway uh, and uh, Joel who unfortunately isn't with us today but if he was if he was here he would have been on the defence with Alex and he is just like Keanu Reeves' character Neo he's a dab hands with computers he loves a good explosion and he barely reacts to anything positive or negative <laughs> <laughs> and uh, acting as prosecution and trying to get this film placed on the shit list will be Dave and Ozzy. Dave is a bit like Hugo Weaving's character, Agent Smith. He's eloquent, very driven, and creepy as fuck. <laughs> and unfortunately, once again, Ozzy is no longer here today, but if he was here, he would also be on the prosecution with Captain Dave. So Ozzy is just like Lawrence Fishburne's character. Morpheus, he knows a lot about electricity, he's always well-dressed, but he has a tendency to send some people to sleep. Um, I'm talking about with his conversation and not his outfits. Uh, Now, just like real court advocates, the defence and prosecution will be making the best case for their roles. These may or may not be their real opinions, though, so do stay tuned until the end of the episode to hear their genuine thoughts. Which means this week I will be playing the judge... Most important role, and I'm a little bit like Adrian and Neil Raymond's characters, the twins. Uh, yeah, yeah, wait to am yeah, yeah. going with Go on. anemic looking, attention seeking oddball <laughs> who is often avoided at all costs. But on the plus yeah. side, I'm a dad's dab hand at DIY. Um, a <laughs> bit of trivia for you that's where the Wachowskis discovered these two. They they weren't what? actors. They never acted before. This is their first role. But they were on a British DIY TV show. It was like you know the handy the type figures.
1: Wow! <laughs> what twins <laughs> handy. <laughs> There you go. and it yeah, made They saw big them break.
2: and they were like, look at those two creepy fuckers. Let's get them <laughs> in this <room." laughs> Um, Okay, now I must decide which list this film should be placed on, hit or shit, based solely on the arguments put to me and not using my own opinions, which is good because although I have seen Matrix Reloaded, I think I watched it at the cinema when it came out in 2003, so I, I genuinely can't remember anything about it. So, uh, like a blank slate. So... Before we get started, I think we should give the audience a bit of a better understanding as to what this film is all about. So let us spin the revamped Wheel of Impressions.
0: <laughs> it sounded like I got like caught in the Wheel of
1: Impressions. That is a, is a revamped Wheel of Impressions.
2: As, as you can see, Alex, it's a land you. Yeah. view. Oh, great. What is it? Is it just a Fredo
1: attached to a little a it's- little
2: wheel it's a, well, it's a, it's a wheel uh, and as you can see there's all our faces on it and it's a fredo okay. instead of an arrow so the fredo <laughs> spins around and uh, the, our faces are um screenshots of our posters that have been uh, drawn yeah, up by our good friend Winston um at the underscore quirks if you want to follow him on Instagram really good graphic designer and uh, yeah so it's landed on Alex as Juliet from Romeo and Juliet and you one, look... of
1: favorites. <laughs> one of my favourites one of my favourites I think my favourite might have be been me and you in the bathtub for the notebook to be honest is <laughs> my personal favourite
2: I send that around work as well like oh. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> okay, guys <laughs> listen to this <laughs> you know? uh. but I forgot to tell some people that I did a podcast so if they would have got that for the first time I <laughs> <what> the hell? <laughs> Anyway, um, Alex. So, uh, how how would we like Alex to read the synopsis?
0: I'd say the Neo Smith would be the uh, the obvious choice. Is one of those? So again, um, Neo, Neo or Agent, Agent Smith.
1: Smith? Oh, uh, I'll do Agent Smith if that's okay. okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Freedom fighters Neo, Trinity, and Morpheus continue to lead the revolt against the Machine Army, unleashing their arsenal of extraordinary skills and weaponry. Against the systematic forces of repression and exploitation. Nice. Hey, good. Thank Very you. Hugo Weaving. Thank you. Yeah. Surprised myself a little bit there. I was <laughs> quite happy with it. What are you doing now? What's you what are you up to? I'm
2: saying uh, uh, an applause. <laughs> 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 well, you it applause. A Uh, More like a shower. Apologies. Uh, So, uh, without further hesitation, uh, allow me to kick off proceedings. Okay, so Alex, your defence. Yes. I'm not going to lie, whenever anybody reads off the synopsis, uh, concentrate too much on their impression and I don't actually listen to what was said. So, do us a favour and give us a brief overview of what this film is all about.
1: Yeah. So this film, you know, it's, uh, you know, you, you said it sort of at the beginning, but obviously it's a bit of a hard one to follow. You know, you had Matrix, huge, huge success. And we have Matrix 2 now. Uh, sort of Matrix did end and, it, you know, we, we, it was sort of was left, I think, on a bit of a, well, it was an ambiguous ending. So here we are later, Matrix 2, and it starts off just like with a bang, as you would expect. It starts off basically with the death of Trinity, one of the death of one of the like, most beloved characters In the first film, and it just sort of takes off from there. Really, it's a vision, and you find out that actually she doesn't die. You see her like falling from a building. It's all very Matrixy, you know what I mean? Slow motion shooting as she's going down, uh, and she dies. But then Neo Keanu Reeves wakes up, and you realise that he's seeing visions. So he's seeing visions of uh, Trinity dying in this way. But it's very important because that links in throughout the film. It sort of actually sort of um, drives a lot of the plot. His fear for her life. Uh, then we go straight into Zion. So Zion's the place that, you know, the the human, you know, in the first film, we know that that's where the human beings have uh, sort of made their base, basically. We finally see Zion. So we go in and see Zion and we finally get a little bit of world building. And this is what we needed in the Matrix. But this is what you needed for Matrix 2. You can't do, you couldn't do the Matrix 1 again. You know, I know that's what fans want, but you've lost the element of surprise. You know, people didn't know what the hell was going to happen in Matrix the first one whereas now they did and so actually you want to sort of explore some of the things one of the most interesting things in the first film was zion so we go to zion we see what's there we get to know the people we see a little bit of the politics we see a little bit of the interpersonal relationships we see a little bit of subplot start so you sort of see a little bit of a love triangle that morpheus has got going uh, with a character called Naomi, played by jada pinkett smith um and then, uh, and then the sort of it sort of stays in Zion for a little bit, so you can get sort of a grounding in in where we are. The film sort of needed to reboot a little bit. It couldn't just start straight away. Matrix, shoot, shoot, shoot. You just couldn't. You you just wouldn't be able to do it. So it goes to Zion and sort of sets out its um, sets out its aim. Turns out there's a threat. The machines are coming in force, and they're about to invade Zion and destroy it. So this is what sort of drives the plot forward. They need to, they need to, but there's a real schism within Zion. So there's a, there's the schism between it is, there's some people that think we just need all the ships and we just need to attack these um, uh, machines that are coming in to get us. Remember, they're like the squid machines. They're all from the first one. So they're they're, they're coming. But then uh, Morpheus is sort of, and you get this sense from the first film, don't you? But he's sort of a, a visionary, almost like a prophet. And he has this belief in Neo, in the one, you know, that, that, you know, that that drives the whole force of the first film. Well, not everyone in Zion agrees. And you get see this interesting sort of discussion between who agrees with Morpheus, who doesn't agree with him. And, you know, that his faith basically uh, means that he diverges away. So he's given orders to come back to sort of defend Zion. And he goes, no, we need we need another way of doing it. We need to get in touch with the Oracle. And that's what they do. Neo basically then goes, gets in touch with gets in touch with the Oracle, finds out from the Oracle this information that he needs to go to the the machine mainframe. That's where his destiny lies. That's where he needs to go, and to get there, he needs to find a keymaker. So, you know, keymaker again, sort of, it's it, it's an interesting way of driving the plot forward. Yeah, you know, when you sort of look at it in these bare bones, it you know, it's just like plot points, but it, it's really well done throughout the film. So he has to go to get the, the keymaker, and that's where the action starts coming in. And it's quite interesting in this film because the action it hasn't been massively action-heavy on in the first part of the film. The action starts to come in as they try to like try and find this key maker. Uh, chases gum and a fantastic highway chase. Uh, and finally, Neo uh, finds himself in the um manages to get to the mainframe and actually is uh, confronted instead with the architect of the matrix, uh, who tells him that basically he's not the one or that the one is completely different from what he's thought. He's not going to end the machine. Basically, what he is is like an a computer anomaly. He's like a remainder that doesn't make any sense that the architect hasn't been able to get rid of. So he's a bad bit of code that basically means that the whole thing resets. So this is the sixth time. This isn't the one, this isn't the first matrix. This is the sixth matrix. We've been here before and it's like destiny is just pushing him on. Again, that destiny that idea of choice runs all the way through the film and in the end he decides not to uh they say he says basically um you have to uh decide zion's going to get destroyed but we'll let you take some of humans and you can rebuild it and repopulate it and we'll start all over again neo says no i'm not going to do that he goes to save trinity who's in danger saves a life and then um and then it sets itself up up, because it's it was always knew it was going to be a trilogy so then the last bit, it just sets itself up for the third film, basically. So it sort of says there's a there's a danger coming. Um, and Neo, actually, just the last little twist, the nice little twist, is his powers then go into the real world. So he's back in the real world. Those squid things are coming at him and he manages to stop them with his powers. And it's like, whoa, what's going on there? Sets you up. So and it is, you know, it's a bit of an annoyance with the to be continued. But I mean, that's what trilogies do, isn't it? So... It's it's a, it's a fantastic film in the sense that it just it's not an easy film to follow and it did everything it needed to it knew it needed to do the world building it knew it needed to sort of take you down some different paths and it did it so fair play to matrix reloaded
2: okay well uh, that's I'm glad you brought that up because that was going to be my next question I found that quite difficult to follow <laughs> just I, and you were you know you and not to say that you've done a bad job you were doing a good job there of simplifying the plot it just sounds Quite complex and convoluted dave is that the case uh, how, yeah. how, how easy is this to understand and follow
0: uh not very at all alex is you know, even though it was a much more you know condensed version it was far easier to follow than the actual film itself it, it's very convoluted it's very complicated i think one of the things that the charm about the first matrix film was that the plot at its core was actually very simple um whereas in this one it just it's a very convoluted plot like alex said it drives you from one plot point to another now you've got to go see this guy and he'll get you access to this guy but don't forget to stop off over here and speak to this guy and it just it's going backwards and forwards all setting up these scenes and in some cases setting up action set pieces for no other no real need no real cause um there's no sense of pacing to the film either. It just seems to plot along and then suddenly you'll get an action sequence to mix it up in the middle. And it's because they've become so convoluted, the plot is so convoluted, the philosophy behind the Matrix, Again, it was quite a simple philosophy in the first one because it didn't over-explain itself. Now they're into over-explaining territory and it's getting complicated. And that's why the expository dialogue is just adding to the confusion. The expository dialogue is there to kind of clear things up that the audience might not have been able to, to glean from the from the first inkling of the film but now it's just it's adding to the confusion um there seems to be more focus on the action than there is uh, the actual story or the characters and that doesn't mean that you know most of the time is spent on the story and having these philosophical speeches uh and the this dialogue going on with the characters but i think the focus of the film the selling point of the film was still those action sequences which are fewer and far between and i'd say not as memorable as we'll talk about the
2: action in more detail later on, Dave. Mm-hmm. But um, you, you mentioned a little bit about the philosophy, right? And mm. one of the things that I remember very vividly from the first Matrix film was this sort of like mythos, this, this world that they'd created and it was very intriguing, you know, and it didn't kind of delve too deeply into it it's sort of like you know alien one where you sort of really reveals the space jockey and that but they didn't go into too much detail they left some of it up to your imagination how does this film build on the mythos that was set up in the first film does it go you know does it explore it well does it go in too deep does it like sort of reveal too much
0: well, it expands on it as you would expect a sequel to do. So you know, that's what they made the films for. They expand on that mythos and that philosophy and this this story. But at the detriment of the first film, I would say you lose that mystique that the first film had. You know, there were a lot of unanswered questions after the first Matrix, but they were the kind of questions you didn't mind going unanswered. You can kind of fill the gaps in yourself and you're quite happy with the end result. You're happy with the story. With this one, they're trying to over-explain it and they're trying to, they're basically taking apart what you knew from the first film and expanding on it, but they're removing that mysticism. They're removing that je ne sais quoi that the first film has, and they're replacing it with something that is quite convoluted and overly complicated.
2: Okay. Uh, Alex, same question to you. How do they build upon or better uh, that that mythos, that mystique
1: from the first film? You're not going to keep that mystique because you can't sustain another two hours film with that mystique. So, a film that was trying to do that again just would, would have failed and would have been appalling because you it had just been it been cynical as well, because it had just been trying to grab the same, just trying to do the same thing with the first one. You know, you, you made the example of Alien One. Aliens doesn't do the same thing that Alien One did. Do you know what I mean? It changed it up, it did it a bit different. It does explain it. You know, instead, instead of one alien, you have tons of aliens, and then you know, I'm sure a lot of fans were extremely annoyed by that because you do lose the mystique of the one alien, right? But you just couldn't do you There's no point in doing the same film again. It's already been done. Well, it does you know, a good da- job of creating this this new world, as you said, going exactly. into more and detail. About- that's intriguing. That's intriguing. So it has more mystique to keep you going. It leads you by the nose because it keeps, you know, Dave says it's convoluted and, you know, it sort of gets mired in the philosophy. But I'd say the philosophy is key to this film because this idea, you know, it has an idea running through of what's free choice you know, again, that sort of builds up on, on what was on the fir- first film, you know, freedom versus destiny. You know, you have the nice conversation with Neo with the Oracle where he's talking about, like, you know, is it my choice to sit down? Is it not my choice? This isn't what you get in a lot of action films, by the way, like talk coming about determinism. Mm-hmm. So it's still it's still very refreshing to have this these sorts of, you know, when when action films used to treat um, audiences with a bit of respect, to be honest, rather than, to be honest, the sort of J.J. Abrams, which is just like, yeah. Like every conversation needs to be with someone dangling off or something smashing apart. You know, when, you know, it's nice to have two characters just talk about, you know, is life deterministic. (laughs) Uh, But no, I I do think it does keep mystique. Yes, it can't keep the mystique of the first film. Yes, it's got to, you're going to have to go to Zion. You're going to have to see these things that weren't explained in the first film. But then it's like, well, what's the mainframe? So the mainframe and the computer becomes more of an interesting. Then it essentially it starts talking about, it starts bringing in programs. So you have Agent Smith comes back and now there's lots of Agent Smiths and you start, and so you're wondering how has that happened? Why has that happened? What's the cause of that going on? So yes, the first mystique has gone, but that, that had to happen. You know what I mean? Because you can't, you couldn't sustain that for another film. Okay. But it does, it does put the, it does put other stuff in to keep you going okay so that other stuff um, that you mentioned
2: uh dave a question for you here is alex says that you know this this treats the audience with a bit of respect and it has fully fleshed out conversations uh you know a lot of thought has gone into the dialogue uh, would, would you agree i mean how how do you think the dialogue fits into an action film do you think it's well placed do you think it's uh, maybe a bit too much a bit too hard to follow or what
0: um the dialogue itself, I think, is is fine. Um, it's quite unique for, well, no, not unique, it's different. It's different for an action film to have this sort of, as Alex says, this sort of philosophical conversation. It doesn't happen in all of them, not something we haven't seen before, but it doesn't happen very often. Um, I don't think the dialogue, I think the dialogue does the best it can to try and clear up this plot. It's the plot itself, though. I think it's it's too far gone. It's it's so wrapped up within itself, and there's so many different layers to it. You know, complexity can be a good thing, but I do believe this went over. Um, I had a look at some reviews about what people thought about the film, and one of the things people kept quoting back and coming back to was the Animatrix. Now, the Animatrix, um, for those who don't know, was uh, an animated series about nine short films, I think, that the Wachowskis released on DVD, Uh, just after the release of Matrix Reloaded. Um, And this filled in a lot of the gaps. So this basically gave you a backstory to a lot of the people you met in Zion. You know, there's this bit where where Neo meets this kid uh, as he's getting off the Nebuchadnezzar after landing in Zion. And the kid's like, oh, you saved my life. I can want to come work for you on the Nebuchadnezzar. We haven't got a clue what he's talking about. Mm -hmm. Apparently, if you've watched the Animatrix, you might. Uh, A bit of backstory to the architect and bit of backstory to some of the other characters is it all comes up in the animatrix a particularly final flight of osiris osiris is the ship on which they all meet at the start of the film um but again if you've not watched the animatrix you're not going to know that and it's curious that it was released on dvd after the film came out so you watch the film not knowing any of this context not knowing who half these characters are what the setting is what the plot is and that that kind of remains with you and then how many people actually watched the animatrix how many people went out there bought the dvd to fill in these gaps you know the film doesn't fill in the gaps for them the film doesn't have time to there's too much going on here and i think they've gotten wrapped up in themselves they've gotten too caught up in the mythos they created and as a result they've kind of overcomplicated the film they've tried to do too much bitten off more they could chew and it just loses the audience you know unless you're gonna watch the animatrix and watch and read the, the extra material and go on the matrix website and read their additional unless you're going to commit you're not going to understand what's going on I don't mean oh there's extra bits you know like Star Wars fans oh if you want to read this or watch the uh, watch the Clone Wars or something there's little extra bits but you can still enjoy the films mm-hmm. without having seen those It's almost impossible to understand what's going on in okay. this film without having seen this other material.
2: Okay,
1: Alex. Very briefly, uh, counter. I think I think Dave's uh, putting a lot of eggs in that pudding. Uh, like, it, uh, yeah, some <laughs> it's, it's
2: it's expression. <laughs> what happens very if egg-y you do pudding. put two minute, a big egg pudding? <laughs> Dave, shit. you're making a big egg pudding.
1: <laughs> <a minute. laughs> it, it's. I, I, I get. I get a little bit where he's coming from. Yeah, there are little moments, but but I would say, I mean, Dave said it himself. So you know, I just disagree with him on that. That there's lots of franchises like Star Wars or Star Trek. That have a lot of fan fiction like an awful lot of lore behind it that and you know there's stuff uh, where i mean you know talking to like joel who loves star wars When you know you're talking about the mandalorian to him and he's talking about all this stuff and i have no idea what he's talking about or like marvel you know when sometimes you guys are talking about marvel and i've absolutely no idea what you're talking about you're talking about all these different characters and this stuff that happened and i and i don't need it do you know what i mean because i can watch those films and, and you can watch this film and have and enjoy it as well. Yeah, the the the, the story is not simple, but it's not impossible. To, I mean, I got it and I haven't watched the Animatrix. So it's not, obvi- you know, by that standard, it's not by any means impossible to follow this film. It, it's not that convoluted. It's a little, you know, the, the conversation sometimes gets a little like philosophical, but the actual basic plot itself isn't impossible to follow. And, you know, the, they take the example Dave had of the kid who runs up. You know, you don't need a particular backstory to 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 that. He just says, "You saved me. You 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 were the one that brought me out of the Matrix." Yeah, great. I get it. You know, what I mean, I don't need, I don't really want an entire backstory to that, to be honest, because I'm not interested. I, I think, and and but it, but also, there are people that love the lore of the Matrix, so you do need to pepper that in for the fans. Okay, thank you. Uh,
2: so, I mean, I, th- I think the main thing when you're watching a Matrix film is the action. The Matrix, well, the first Matrix in 1999 sort of revolutionized the action genre with the what well, the bullet motion technology, wasn't it? Very slow-mo action sequences. Uh, how does this film expand on that? Is it sort of more of the same? Do they do anything more with that or do they bring something new to the game? Uh, question for Dave. Um Mostly keeping to the to
0: the same sort of thing they had in the original Matrix, you've got the the wire stunts and that sort of thing. You know, you've got, you got remember the lobby sequence in the first Matrix mm-hmm. where they're doing the flips and things like that. It's all done on wires, uh, and yeah, they keep some of that back in. You've still got a little bit of the bullet motion uh, technique, not as much as the first one. It's not used to the same effect, but it is still in there to a degree. The the thing I'd say that they do differently was this one is they bring in more CGI. Particularly with Neo versus the, the multitude of Smiths that Alex alluded to before. So basically, he, he starts fighting Agent Smith and then Agent Smith starts replicating and imprinting himself onto other people in the Matrix. So basically, by the end of it, he's fighting, I don't know, maybe a hundred Agent Smiths. Um, and obviously, there's a lot of CGI going on there. And mostly, they used actors. Uh, who looked a bit like Hugo Weaving in the background, and then they just put Hugo Weaving's kind of face on them digitally. I know this because they missed a few. Yeah, you got to look for <laughs> it. But there are a few actors there in the background who's like, who's that meant to be? Are there other agents? <laughs> but, oh, no, it's, it's meant to be. He looks a little <laughs> bit
2: like Hugo Weaving. It's not like that scene from but it. For the most part... Because it's like that scene from Big Train, (laughs) stunt double, and the main actor's a white guy, and the stunt double's a black guy, and they forget to change the
1: Sorry to interrupt. Have you seen the bit in Heat where uh, Pacino like bashes down a door? It's honestly hilarious. The first time I watched it, I was like. Who's this other character? And it's like, no, it's not another one. He's, meant, he's, to just, be he's just meant to be Pacino. He just runs full on at the camera, and you're just like, that's just not Pacino. Like what? <laughs> <laughs> and like, it's so like, you know, he's like doing little flips and stuff like that. And it's like, no, no. <laughs> sorry, Dave. That's sorry, right. no, sorry no, no. God, Dave.
2: You
0: got you got a similar thing going on here, to be honest with you, because all the agents they look kind of similar to begin with. So when you see one, you just maybe think it's a different agent, but no, they're all meant to be Hugo Weaving. So they brought in more CGI for that sort of thing, and also the animated, like, Keanu Reeves. So when he's doing, like, his big flips with this, like, it's a pole or something he's fighting with, it's CGI Smith versus CGI Neo. They kind of left the stunt work to one side, and they just CGI'd everything for a few seconds in these fights and just interspersed it in. Um, It's not aged well, that CGI. That's the new element they brought to it, the CGI. I'm sure at the time it looked great. But in hindsight, it just, you know, when you see someone moving and obviously this, they're doing martial arts, so it's quite, um, you know, ostentatious movement. You know, a lot of arm movements going on and the limbs just don't move right. You know, there's something that just stands out a mile um, with this new CGI. But, so um, when you
2: watch the first one, as you said, it, it you know, it used both CGI, but actual mm-hmm. actors performing those stunts.
0: And actual stunts and the wires and what have you. In yeah. this one, they still there's a bit of that, but now they've obviously got a bigger budget and they've bought it. They've actually CGI'd characters instead of using stuntmen they've actually cgi'd agent smith's neo and in some of the combat sequences not for all of it there's still some stunt work but there's a good chunk of cgi thrown in there as well and i think that lets it down a bit
2: okay Uh, alex i mean this is an action film overall isn't it i mean how how was the action
1: uh the 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 action is key what the key thing is is it more of the same? no it's not no because you know, and and you could you could have expected that because some of the action scenes are so iconic. You know that Matrix film, and I, I know those action scenes back to front. You know that it, that. It, it, so you, so you don't have a lobby sequence. You don't have two people fighting in a narrow. You don't you don't have any of that. They've really changed it up a little bit. You know, D- Dave was talking about the CGI, and he's right to a certain extent. But CGI wasn't the dirty word it was back then. Do you know what I mean? It was like it was, it was more people were exploring and people wanted CGI. So you know, it, it seems harsh to 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 blame a film for giving what people wanted at the time. And now in hindsight, yeah, in hindsight, maybe it doesn't look as good, but you can forgive that. Do you know what I mean? I can, you can watch, you know, sci-fi films from the 70s or 50s. And, you know, you just, you just get past it. You know, you know, it's a little bit of the time now. It's, it's, it's enough time has passed. So you can, you can forgive it that. The main thing it does is it changes it up as well. So, you know, the thing about Smiths, interesting because you've got like loads of Smiths now. You know, and that was a big selling point in the film. The action's different. Loads you're not just going to have him fighting. Loads. Yeah, you're not just going to have him fighting one agent. He's fighting loads of agents. Twelve what's going to happen? For Smith.
2: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> hey, if you like Hugo Weaver, then this film will be he's
1: It's loads of him also then it brings in the element of the program so this is what i'm talking about with the world building it links that in with the action so you have the programs and that and and that means you know you have this bit of explanation where like everything you've ever seen that's strange like vampires or werewolves or any of that that's a program that's gone wrong and it's really interesting it'll take for the for, for the because all of a sudden you're like wow or so all of that could happen you know i mean any basically like ghosts and stuff like that that might come into the film. And it does, yeah. you know, you have, uh, it does seem like there's vampires, the Merovingian does seem like it's like a, what you call it? A cabal of vampires, do you call them? What you call a, what's a collective noun for vampires? I think cabal might be right, yeah. I think it's, it's right. school of vampires. Nice. School, school of, of vampires, vampires. <laughs> a, flock a flock of vampires. <laughs> of vampires. <laughs> <laughs> they, they uh, the vampires. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, that, and that's what breaks the, uh, and you have these, those two DIY twins. <laughs> who were like, <laughs> Who I always think of them now, who were ghosts. And this just brings little, and and they have to be CGI to be ghosts. You know, they can pass through objects. You know, so yes, it's CGI, but it's CGI for a reason. You know, when Neo's flying, that's CGI for a reason. I'd say all of the good shots, when they could not use CGI, they didn't use it. It's not CGI for CGI's sake. So there's a fight scene when, when they when he's fighting a few different of these programs in sort of like an atrium. And that's all, that's not, none of that CGI. So it's not CGI. It's not like they just got the budget and were like, great, we don't have to do any of that hard, actual Kung Fu stuff. They, they kept that in, but they've just okay. boosted it a little bit. Right. Okay. It's, it, it, the, 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 the fights are interesting and it didn't stay the same. It used the world building to make it more interesting. Okay. Dave, response to that?
0: I just want to say quickly on the fight sequences that, yeah, they might be a little different in some ways, but they do outstay their welcome. Sorry. particularly the agent smith one as that one's work, working that you know as these smiths just keep pouring out of buildings and it's just like more smiths i think it maybe even says something like that more smiths yeah and, <laughs> and by the end of it you're just kind of like oh, see, just wrap it up now you know you know they're not going to kill neo because it's half an hour into the film how many more smiths need to pile up they literally pile on top of him like in a rugby game and it's just like how many more smiths do we need there comes a point with the that's probably the most notable, but I think with the case of all of them, where they do outstay their welcome, and there comes a point where you're just like, "Wrap it up now!" And during an action sequence, you shouldn't be thinking, "Wrap it up now."
2: So, Alex, how many Smiths is too many Smiths?
1: <laughs> they got it just right. Not, not like one Smith less, and it wouldn't have been enough. One Smith, Smith more, it'd have been far too many. They, it was just, it was just the right amount of Smiths. Um like one sequence which does last a while and is thrilling is the highway sequence and i'd say it's one of the best sequences on a highway ever you know i and it, it's you've got like the thrilling you know when you're talking about cgi there are moments and i really was looking because yeah it, it is a bit janky at times when neo's flying up in the air you're a bit like looking at his face like what doesn't look a lot like keanu reeves there but the sequence on the ho- uh, on the highway when she's on the bike, especially when Trinity's on the bike and she's weaving through traffic, I couldn't. Obviously, it must be because you know, what I mean, they would have gone through about fifty stuntmen. But uh, I I can't, I couldn't see how it was done. It, and it, and the highway sequence is very thrilling and it's mm. different. You didn't see anything, you didn't really have car chases in the first one, so it that's new and it brought it in. And yeah, it does last a while, but you you're with it all the way. Okay. Yeah, I can
0: yeah I, say they, they, they brought in a car chase for sure, but it's not the most exhilarating highway sequence you're going to. uh has a much better highway chasing. as much you more. Do, which does sorry terminator 2 and it's not even the best highway chase sequence with keanu reeves and speed was more exhilarating than no
1: it's not highway <laughs> chase it's th- it, it could only go 50 miles an hour <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah to be fair it's not going to chase back in it is it i mean
1: very firstly, slow
2: essentially chasing it is dennis hopper and he's sat in his office were exhilarated is it more or less thrilling than the oj simpson car chase
1: not touching it. Not touching it. Not touching
2: it. Okay. Um, <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, so one thing that was slightly touched upon was the philosophy aspects. So you know that you look at the first film and it's absolutely steeped in these philosophical sort of snippets. You talk about like Neo, which is an anagram of the of the of one. His name's Thomas, you know, sort of an element of the Bible in there, Dalton Thomas, because he doesn't believe that he's the one. You've got Morpheus, who's the Greek god of sleep. You've got Trinity, named after the Holy Trinity. You know, like there's a lot of different sort of like, um, it's borrowing a lot of things from classical civilizations, from religion, um, from Christianity. What what does this do differently? I mean, obviously you've talked about world building, and you've talked about expanding on the original does the philosophy get a bit too
1: much, uh, Alex? No, it doesn't. It, it You know, th- there's a lot of allusions, like you're saying, to different things, but it doesn't delve deep into does Morpheus really mean, is he really the dream god? No, you know, it's just, there's a few allusions in there, <clears throat> and that's fine. The main philosophical thrust of the movie is about freedom versus destiny. So are our choices preordained or are they not? And, you know, that sort of runs throughout the film. Is Trinity fated to die, you know, because he's seen the visions or not? Or, to, or can we make our own choices? You know, and Morpheus seems to feel like that everything's determined. We've already made our choices and there's nothing. But Neo has a more hopeful approach, which is that we do have choices. We can change things. And this is what comes up in the crux of the film when you've got him <clears throat> opposite the architect. And the architect is saying, like, not, not even... Do you not have a choice? The whole thing, what you are, your spe- everything that makes you special, that was preordained. Like this is going to happen, and this is constant. So, you know that 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 it does come to a point, and Neo still decides to make his own way into into and to, and to, and to, and to uh, you know to make his own choices. Again, these these aren't really themes we normally see in an action film, and it's all the better for it.
2: And Dave, same
1: question to you. Is it too much philosophy? Is
2: it not enough?
0: Um, I'd say it's it's a fine amount of philosophy insofar as they don't overdo it and don't bring in too many different ideas, they maybe talk about it a little too much. You know, uh, Lawrence Fishburne's speeches to the council in Zion and things like that, and to the people of Zion, it gets to a point where it's just like, okay, right, we get it, we're going to get another quasi-Plato-esque quote. I mean, the whole it's very Plato-inspired, this. You know, the idea of those who free themselves um, and can can view reality for what it really is need... uh, owe it to the rest of humanity to come back and teach them about what they've seen that is a very platonic uh sort of ideal you know that is plato through and through and that is essentially what the matrix was built on so clearly the wachowskis knew a little uh ancient philosophy when they came to write this script and they've incorporated little bits of it into the script the bits they incorporate are fine it's just the number of times they keep getting brought up and repeated and and kind of you keep getting like offered philosophy and it's like no I've already had some of that thank you I don't want any more are you sure you don't want another piece of <laughs> philosophy <laughs> so it just it's just repeated it's like it's not overdone insofar as how many times they, they came up with different philosophical ideas but the number of times they give you the same one time and time again I would say gets overdone.
2: Okay. I actually mentioned about the ending before. I mean, I know you usually don't really like these sort of cliffhanger endings where it sort of ties or tees you up for a sequel. Um, what, what, what did you think about this one? Because obviously these films were made back to back and I think they were both released within the same year, weren't they?
1: Precisely. So it, it's not as... You, you knew it was going to be a trilogy. So, you know, if you weren't expecting it to be to be continued, then really what what were you expecting? You know, they they it's almost like two parts of the same film. So yeah, it's, it's, it's not, you know, it's, it's never like, especially, you know, in the cinema, you know, the to be continued, you're a bit like, "Eh." but it does make you want to watch. You are going to watch the conclusion. You do want to see what's coming. And also it's not like it leaves it. It's not like it just leaves it on a, you know, like a cliffhanger, like it would be on a sitcom on EastEnders or something like that. There's the genuine point when Neo's powers seem to have, uh, transferred into the real world. And that's just fascinating. You know, you know, you're just like, well, you know, that doesn't, you know, you know, so where are we now? And and it's sort of, it's a cliffhanger in a sense, but it's also just really opens up to the next film. So you're just excited then thinking like, well, where are they going to go? They've just given themselves so much scope and opportunity with this film that, you know, let's just see where it goes, as well as having all the subplot, you know, other subplots to, to keep going, you know, so there's still the, What's going to happen to Zion? There's still the sort of Morpheus love triangle relationship. And there's also Agent Smith has infected one of the um, people of Zion. So there's oh. sort of like a, a traitor element going on there and what's going to happen with that. So, yeah, you know, it's never a satisfying end to a film when you've got it to be continued. I'm not going to completely just say, yeah, it's fantastic, but it does what it needs to. And, and you knew it was going to happen anyway. And it doesn't piss you off is the important thing. It okay. gives you it. May, it makes you more intrigued and like excited about the next film, rather than just making you feel like nothing got resolved. Stuff's resolved in this film. Trinity survives. He makes the choice. You know, and and it's set up for the next one. Okay, uh, Dave, disagree with that?
0: No, I agree with what Alex is saying. Insofar as you know, you were fair warned going into this film that there was going to be a third one uh, six months after this one, which is very a very short space of time to release a sequel. So they were pretty much filmed back to back. And it was like, look, we're going to give it six months in the cinema and then we're going to release the next one. So you were fair warned that there was going to be a cliffhanger to this one. So you can't really complain. If you're judging this film as an entity in its own right, which I think we are doing, then obviously it is somewhat lacking because it's only got half the story. You know, the rest of it is to be continued to be completed in the next one. So if you're judging it as a film, as an in and of itself, Uh, you either need to do that or or view the whole trilogy, I would say. And if we're looking at the one thing, then it's kind of, you do feel a bit shortchanged in that regard. But I understood for the cinematic release, they did it the way they did it, and I get why. So, can't complain too much.
1: Okay. I mean, that'd be like saying Empire Strikes Back is shit. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. And people Uh, had to wait a lot longer for a terminal. Yeah, 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 exactly.
2: (laughs) So um, well, I, you mentioned the, the trilogy there and you know not being able to kind of view this as a single film and having to view it as a, a three-parter. Uh, but I've, one of the questions I've got is that remembering the original matrix, I seem to think that you know it ended on a, on a, a note that Alex, you said before it was about it was a bit sort of um, what to just describe it as? Yes um, good.
1: No, 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 you said, you,
2: I right. can't remember. But you said you, it was a bit of a question mark, you know, like, oh, where's this film going to go? I, I seem to remember it being more definitive, sort of like, oh yeah, this is it now, this is the end of the film. Um, So I, I I think originally I was quite surprised that they decided to make two more films. So I suppose what I'm trying to say is, my question is, was this film and the next film, were they necessary? Um, Do you think that they did enough to kind of build upon the first Matrix or do you think it was a sort of like a Poison Chalice? She had such an excellent um, film in the first film that it was always going to be difficult trying to follow that up.
1: Alex, sorry. Yeah, I, you know, the film had loads of mystique, the original, didn't it? And it, an- it had lots of unanswered questions and it had lots of, you know, and it talked about places like Zion and it talked about, you know, and it did talk about freedom and choice and it talked about Neo's destiny to end the Matrix. So, yeah, it was gonna. It was gonna have a sequel. It also made loads of money. So just from a purely sort of <laughs> financial perspective, they were probably gonna try, you know. And 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 a fil- yeah, it didn't have a definitive end. a definitive end. Would have been the Matrix had like been torn down by Neo mm-hmm. at the end of the first film. They didn't do that because there wasn't time. You know, it'd been it'd been absurd. You needed a trilogy to be able to do it. So, you know, I, I don't think. I think they didn't, you know, uh, the Wachowskis were good in the sense that they realised they were making one film. They didn't want to like set up a film, you know, that that sort of really presumptuous thing of setting themselves up for a film before they've even finished the first. So they did a, a, a really great ending to that first film. But there's so much unanswered about the world, about what's going to happen next, that another film was absolutely inevitable. To answer those questions, which brings me back to my first point, which is, you know, you do answer these questions and that mystique goes, but you're also left with the answers to the questions. So, you know, that's what, and that's what you wanted this second film to do.
2: Okay. Um, Dave, same question to you. Was this film necessary? Um,
0: I think it was absolutely necessary. I think Alex tapped in the why. You know, each film grossed nearly 600 million for the studio. <laughs> it, was, it was a completely <laughs> necessary film in that regard. But I do think it was money-orientated because I think everything was like tied up quite nicely and neatly at the end of the first film like i said before the questions that weren't answered you didn't mind that they weren't that they weren't answered you no one was asking for a matrix sequel absolutely no one and you know it was a huge film you know there was a huge uh, fan base behind it everyone loved the matrix when it came out it was huge when the sequel was announced, everyone was a little bit sceptical. I say everyone. I'm sure there
1: were some people that. No, I must have this, missed this meeting with everyone, Dave. I must have been. Was <laughs> Where was I when everyone was talking about the Matrix? The Matrix?
2: I think we didn't watching, need We Buffy the Vampire Slayer. We were oh, there. Well, man. Fair <laughs> it, was, it was a very, it, a, a very short agenda, but any other <laughs> business lasted very, very long. <laughs> Getting through all those people saying, No, nothing for me. I'm okay. Thank you. <laughs> took about two weeks, man. It was awful. <laughs> uh, anyway, sorry, Dave. What were you saying? No, I'm done. <laughs> okay. Right. Um, OK. I've lots to think about here, to be honest. Um, I suppose, uh, is there anything else that you guys have missed off? Anything else that you want to cover? I suppose, closing comments, really? Any any sort of, like, final nails in the coffin?
1: Yeah, my, my, my final thing would just be to say what Dave was talking about then, you know, when he was talking about it being money-orientated. Like, yeah, I'd say that's, you know, it's films to a certain extent. But, you know, I'd say, like, and I think it's now when we look at, like, the Star Wars sequels, when you look at, like, Return of Skywalker, that just looks completely money-orientated. you know what I mean? Every choice has been made is just a money-orientated choice. The Matrix Reloaded is a real look into a world, you know? And yeah, maybe it's not a world that you like, but it's a look into a world. It's someone's vision for something, you know? So yes, it was money-orientated, but you cannot deny that in The Matrix Reloaded, there is, you know, the Wachowskis put some of their soul in this. They really thought it through. They really built the world and they created something. And yeah, they, it's not as easy to answer these unanswered questions. And they went for it and they really, you know, and, and fair play to it. It wasn't just a, we'll put in some bullet time stuff because that's what the fans like. And um, we'll put in a bit where they go into, not a lobby this time, but they'll go into a, something bigger and they'll shoot it up and they'll do the same. They didn't do the same things. They did mix it up and change it up and it should be applauded for that.
2: Okay. Thank you very much. Dave? What was the question? Sorry, I was. Um, well, I, I did say uh, any sort of final comments or closing arguments, but I realised I haven't asked a single thing about the cast, uh, in it. So, um, Alex, I really do appreciate that closing statement, and I'm going to bear that in mind. But <laughs> just pretend that I didn't sort of try, try and draw this uh, trial to a close. And instead, I'm going to say to Dave, um, you know, the cast is a big thing, especially in a franchise. You know, you know, this isn't just um, a single feature. We've already had this really successful film that's come along. Um, you've got to know the characters. How, did, how does this film build on those characters? Um, how are the performances? Starting off with Kiana Reeves um, being criticised in the past on this podcast for maybe not having a depth of uh, emotional range. Uh, how, how does he handle the performance
0: here, Dave? Well, he's he's right at home. I mean, it's a very stoic film. You know, there's there's not a great deal of emotion going on. Even when he wakes up from a nightmare, having seen Trinity fall to her death, you know, it's he, kind of like, oh, it was a dream. It's just kind of <laughs> like this, this blank expression throughout. But it is, you know, everyone walks around with sunglasses. It's meant to be cool and emotionless. You know, so it, you don't really need to to push yourself. Acting wise, I wouldn't say in this film. It's not a film that's centric on its performances by any stretch. Everyone is kind of aloof, kind of stoic, kind of emotionless. So you don't really need to to break out the Gilgoods on this one. Okay. Um, as far as the characters go, um, yeah, they expand characters. Um, they expand on some of the old ones. I'd say kind of Neo and Smith, Agent Smith in particular. I'm not really sure why they brought him back for this one. Uh, he was kind of obviously in our first one, but. Again, we kind of like saw the end of Smith and then he comes back and he's kind of glitching with the Matrix. And I just got the feeling that there wasn't the same emphasis on him as there was before. You know, you might, you'd have done better to leave him out and have had a new villain brought in. I think it was a mistake to bring him back. I think that was maybe, you know, appeasing the fans. So I think Neo and Agent Smith kind of take a sidestep on this one and it allows Lawrence Fishburne to come to the front a bit more as Morpheus. He gets a bit more screen time, a bit more time on his own. And I like seeing that side of Morpheus. I like seeing him as, as a leader you know, rather than just some, like, guy spouting out, you know, dime store philosophy at you every now and again. Uh, So I I like what they did with the character there, but it is a tricky one. You can't really get behind the characters simply because they are so aloof. They are so unrelatable in that regard. I mean, the situation they are in is completely most sci-fi is, but also the performances that we get, you know, the the aloofness, the, the coolness, it's hard to get behind the characters. It's hard to see a character arc in them. It's hard to relate to them. Okay. And I think that could bring the film down and possibly why the film falls flat.
2: Okay. Alex, Dave says the film falls flat because these characters are underdeveloped and you know these performances are very sort of cool slash stoic. How would you argue that? Uh
1: I think Zion, you get to see that's where you get to see a bit more of the the heart to the film. So you get to see um yeah they are still cool and stuff like that you don't really want neo sort of gushing at any point really or trinity but you do get to see they're in very much in love so there's like a, there's a quite a nice love scene between them that's like really nicely done actually um as love scenes go um and yeah so you do see a little bit more you see Morpheus in the sort of the, the context of his faith within zion so i don't think they're one dimensional particularly and i i think they are fleshed out, but I do think they needed to keep that sort of aloof, cool thing because that's kind of the vibe that is the Matrix, really. I think Keanu Reeves does a very good job. I, I like Keanu Reeves. I think we all do. Do you know what I mean? And I, I don't. I think it's contingent really on on how well he delivers like an emotional piece. I, I just think he's just a likable person to watch in the film, and he's a great cipher. You can put yourself into his uh, into his role. What you need to have next to Keanu Reeves are some really, really big hitters, and you've got that with Carrie Anne Moss and Lawrence Fishburne. <laughs> you know, you just got that they 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 really sparkle in the film. Carrie Anne Moss doesn't have a lot of uh, scenes, I wouldn't say particularly, but when she does, really, really good in them. And Lawrence Fishburne, like Dave was saying, does have a bit of a larger role in this film, and you do see you do see another side to him. So he isn't, yeah, he's very sort of stoic in a lot of things, but you do sort of see. The reasons behind his stoicism and the faith that li- that's behind morpheus as well as seeing the sort of the love i mean the love between um uh like uh carrie moss and keanu reeves is what drives the plot of the film so they do they do get that right
2: okay good stuff dave very quickly closing arguments apologies but anything oh, yeah. else you want to add
0: uh, there a merge we've said it all to be honest with you this is a totally unnecessary sequel you've hit the nail on the head with that one it was a bit of a cash grab it was an opportunity for them to expand on this lore you know they did a great job with the mythos of the first film and Alex I agree with what Alex says that the Wachowski's heart was in this you know their heart and soul was in the project there's no, uh, no aspersions on them on this one but I just think they didn't deliver when it came to the dialogue that helped it did not help the convoluted plot and I think what you got here is a story that gets too caught up in itself too caught up within its own philosophy and leaves you with more unanswered questions than it proposed to answer and bear in mind how satisfied we were after the first one we had no more unanswered questions uh, needed to be asked this kind of like just rips it all up and leaves you with quite an unsatisfactory ending to the whole thing
2: okay well thank you very much for that Dave Um, really difficult now because usually we'd have like a quiz or something to break up uh, this part of the episode and you know give the judge time to think about what's just been said and maybe compose
1: reflect. some notes. Go yeah, and Have reflect. a little think, look at yeah, the window.
2: No but time me, at all. So. Alex uh,
0: and I can play charades for a bit. If you want.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> it's not great for an audio podcast, but it'll be fun for
2: us. <laughs> um, yeah, you know what? I mean, going into this trial, I did not think that we would be talking for this long and in depth about um <laughs> the, the, the matrix reloaded uh you know I, I just remember well obviously you know it's been what like nearly 20 years since I saw, I saw it but um yeah i remember it just being a bit of a popcorn action flick i don't remember it being that philosophical i don't remember the sort of heavy dialogue i don't remember you know a, a lot of things that you've spoken about um I, I agree with a lot of what alex and what dave say to be honest so it's honestly i'm Really difficult position here. I think this is maybe the most difficult decision. I've made on the podcast. Uh, and What do you think about some of the crimes I've i know. made as judge? <laughs> that's, that's very... <laughs>
0: I've, I've got to admit, Gav, you know, after Crossroads, the argument was it, was it was a no-brainer. Was like, I can't believe I'm doing this, but the defence has got it. My God.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I will take Crossroads to the grave. It's a good film, yeah. man. Especially after you've watched Framing and Britney Spears, there's no way that you can then say that Crossroads is a bad film. Um, yeah, I, I, so... I agree with Dave that, you know, as an action film... You don't want the plot to be too convoluted. You don't want the dialogue to be too heavy, too dense, too philosophical. At the end of the day, you want to go there and you want to be entertained. I do agree, though, with what Alex was saying. You know, this does sound like a bit of a world builder. It sounds like you had this really exciting film within the first film with a lot of mythos behind it. And this film essentially delves more into that. This is not just solely made as a money-orientated feature. You know, I know that obviously that did play a part of it but it does sound like the Wachowskis took a lot of time and a lot of effort and put their heart and soul into creating this and I think that's quite admirable to be honest especially in this day and age when it comes to these sequel focused franchises, every studio wants a franchise don't they so some of the films we have put on trial recently like Alita where you watch it and a lot of it is just focusing towards sequel before the first film's even finished I think that you've got to respect them in a way that they didn't do that, you know they kind of took their time and they crafted this world and yeah I I kind of admire them as well for trying to make it so convoluted and you know make it so big it's like they've tried to cram in essentially six films into three Um, and, and I also admire them for putting in a lot of sort of that, that heavy dialogue, trying to make it something more than just a standard action film and having a lot of philosophy in there and having a lot of kind of um, heavy dialogue and not treating the audience like idiots, essentially. And it does sound like they, they've added to the original as well. They haven't just kind of done rinse and repeat into and the same action sequences with the same people. They've tried to do something different. Whether or not those action sequences stand up to this day, uh, I don't know whether the CGI has failed it or not um remains to be seen but i don't know whether i'm gonna come to regret this or not but i think i'm gonna put this one on the hit list to be honest um so yeah congratulations alex apologies dave but yeah this one has gone on the hit list so um yeah i I can see by alex's reaction he doesn't agree with the decision i've just made so uh, very swiftly honest opinions alex
1: uh, I don't like this film at all. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't like it at all. I'm sorry for people listening who just listened to me. Just had to bullshit for like an hour. But yeah, I just don't think the film was... Uh, I hated it at the cinema and I've hated it every single time I've watched. You know, I I wasn't lying too much. I was saying it is world building, but the world's shit is the problem, really. It's just, you know, that. We, we, I think we just need to get better as audiences of just leaving questions unanswered we keep exploring these franchises and, and answering every single question it's like that bit um you know like apparently in solo where they just you know like what's the thing the kessler run in star wars when oh, it's yeah. you know and he meets you T- and like they explain all of that and it just loses all of its sort of well, mystique you know it's it, like kind of, yeah. yeah and it just don't show zion it's so much better in my imagination when you get there and everyone's just dressed in these robes and stuff like that and, and you're just like oh it's shit you know it, <laughs> I, 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 I was really I loved the first Matrix like in the sense of one of those films you know it like I'd rent it I'd watch it that night and then I'd get up early the next morning and I'd watch it in the morning before we had to take it back I, I absolutely loved that film um, and then saved literally saved up until I could buy it myself I uh, That's
2: the first time I, I've heard you talking about like
1: that about a normal
2: film that wasn't a bluey <laughs>
1: Thanks. I I I think I, I remember just watching it, being like so excited for this film, just thinking like, wow, what's what's gonna happen? And I remember, you know that sequence when Morpheus just jumps over and he's jumping on the highway onto the truck. Yeah. And I remember just, you know, when you, you know, and it's almost like your brains just watch so much nonsense. It's like my brain actually caught up with me at that point and just went, you're not having a good time, mate. This is shit, isn't it? <laughs> you don't like this. And just being, you know, just being really disappointed in the cinema, just like, yeah, this is, this is really poor. So I tried as much as possible to say, you know, what was good about it. But uh, I just don't like it. You just don't, you just don't come away with that satisfied "Mm," feeling and by no means especially you're always going to compare it to the first film and the first film is just just beautiful just not a moment wasted just no perfect and this film is just so many moments wasted and so pointless and yeah sorry i know i'm going on about this but i i agree with what i said about the chat. you know they did try their own thing this isn't money orientated i don't think this is a cynical cash grab but it doesn't mean i like it and i don't Okay. All
2: right. Well, thanks. Um, I, f- I feel like you've well and truly pulled my pants down on that one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> my own as well. <laughs> uh, Dave, how did you feel?
0: Um, I don't. I didn't hate it, to be honest with you. I I never watched this when it came out in the cinema. I always thought Matrix was a bit overrated. Truth be told, I was never that big a fan of it. Um, but I never understood why it was like one of the biggest films ever made. Uh, and when this came out, you know, I I missed this one at the cinema. I went to see the third one with with other people, um, and I just kind of skipped Matrix two. So I watched it for the first time about a month ago. Didn't get it. Didn't didn't see what all the hype was about. And still lost. Watched it again with a more critical mind for this podcast. And you know what? I I actually quite liked it. You know, there was I thought the action sequences were good. You know, when you broke it down into the sum of all parts, which is what we have to do for this podcast. When you broke it down, there was a lot that they brought to the table that was actually very good. Mm-hmm. You know, in terms of, you know, expanding on the world, as Alex said, you know, bringing this in. Alex was was right about a lot of his points. You know, they did bring more to the table. And I don't think it was just a cash grab. I think there was something more going on here. You do still feel disappointed at the end of the film, though. But when you're breaking it down and trying to criticize it, it's hard to pinpoint what it is about the film that you just don't like. That's why I struggled with this prosecution, to be honest with you. Not because I overly liked the film, but just because it is hard. There's a lot of good going for it. And it is quite hard to pinpoint what it is you don't like. Why are you left cold? Why are you emotionless at the end of this film? Why do you feel nothing? Why are you not excited to see the next instalment? Because it had decent action sequences, you know, know. fair enough performances, like we said, you know, and it was just... I
1: I can't think of a better way they could have done it, to be fair. Do you know what I mean? It's not like you're thinking, oh, that opportunity's gone begging. I I just don't think from an artistic or, like, from a film point of view, it should have been made. you You know, I... Like, 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 you saying that now, it just made me think. Yeah, what else could they have done better? And I can't think of anything.
0: No, and there's nothing they necessarily did overly wrong, but you know, the sum of all the parts, everything added up to what should have been a decent film. Something went missing, and mm. I don't know what it is. I'm not. Yeah. I'm not. I'm not learned enough about film to pinpoint yeah. what it is that went wrong. But something did, and that's why I really struggle to put these arguments together. To be honest with you, because when it's like pulling it apart, what shit about it? It's like. There's actually a lot of good about it, but just something in the end product, you know, just it's something in it was overdone or yeah. underdone, or not included, or and was made of glass, what
1: are sharp your...
2: pointy glass. <laughs> <laughs> and what are your thoughts about the fourth one? I mean, as, as far as I remember, well, the third one was a very oh, definitive ending. So the, how, the how third did you... one
1: is unwatchable. I watched it at the cinema, and like I, I think it like literally was crying at one point. Just I was so upset, and yeah because i loved the first film so yeah the third film did end it in the sense of it just took any enjoyment of a franchise that i had took it out beside the woodshed and shot it so um, like
0: well like i said I, I skipped the second one i went to see the third one because like i think a few mates were going to go see it so i went to see it with them and you know there was obviously a little bit loads of things i was missing from like you know the the guy uh agent smith replicates upon who's now stowed away as like a a saboteur on Neo's ship. Mm. There were loads of bits in the second film that were mentioned in the third or lead to big plot points in the third that I didn't get, I didn't understand. And you know what? When the film finished, I didn't care to ask. I just <laughs> yeah. was not interested yeah. in the answer. I yeah. didn't care.
1: It went full CGI the third film as well, didn't it? Like Yeah. Full it was, I just CGI.
0: remember Harry Lennox just basically shooting those squid robots for what felt like 40 minutes
2: yeah. <laughs> just yeah, screaming
0: yeah. and shooting these robots that yeah, just bore yeah. into he's not even moving the cannon, they're just coming into one hole. And he's <laughs> no, just yeah. shooting the hole. And it's <laughs> just it just it was boring. It's just there's something boring. But I was looking for a deeper argument than the film's boring. Mm-hmm. But I think maybe that's what it boils down to.
2: Okay, fair enough. Well, um, this not as boring as the third, but more boring than the first film. Where do you think it placed on Rotten Tomatoes higher all lower than our previous film, which was Galaxy Quest? Just to refresh your memory, scored a very high critical rating of ninety percent and a also very high audience rating of seventy-eight percent.
0: I reckon the I'd audience rating could be similar.
1: Yeah, I'd I'd sixties maybe mid mid sixties.
0: Yeah, and it depends how the critics have come at it. To be honest with you, because like I say, when you try and break it down, what's wrong with it? It's hard to pinpoint. Mm-hmm. So I'd say, I'd say maybe in the seventies somewhere.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're sort of like in between. Um, I think Dave's more on it, but uh, Critical is 73, Audience 72. So a lot better than I remembered, to be honest. Um, I'd be interested to see what you think. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm really looking forward to seeing I've seen The Matrix several times, to be honest, and I really enjoy it. But I've only seen The Matrix 2 and 3 once. And I felt like that was enough for me. But, you know, I, I, I'd like to go back and see it. As I said, it's been nearly 20 years now. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Excited. I might is watch it, all yeah. three of them back to
0: back. Help well, me it... out, Gav. If, uh, if, you are, if you do find yourself disliking it, try and pinpoint why. why?
1: Ask yourself why. <laughs> what it is okay. that you're are not you...
0: enjoying about it.
1: Dave, are you going to go and watch the third one?
0: The, the actual third one, like on Prime? Yeah, like Matrix
1: one. Revolutions. Do you want to go and watch it?
0: No, I saw it in the cinema, and even I mean, though I didn't understand half what tells- was going on, that was enough.
1: That tells you a lot, doesn't it? Do you know what well, I mean? Yeah. Even after watching that, even after watching this one, you just like, fuck, oh, nah, <laughs> nah <laughs> I'm not interested." It's, it's all right. Yeah, it's a like land lens on a cliffhanger. Nah, it'll be all right.
2: Nah. <laughs> like, <laughs> okay, well, Alan, uh, thank you very much for that, guys. Our next film has been pulled out the hat at random, and it is uh, Thor. The, the one of the first MCU films and um, yeah, in defense of Thor is going to be Dave and possibly Joel. We don't know, maybe. And in prosecution is going to be Alex and Ozzy, which means once again, I'm going to be judging it. And uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to that one, to be honest, guys. I think uh, Thor is maybe one of the most divisive films in the MCU. Um Definitely like Thor one and Thor two are definitely up there, aren't they? Um, as I said, it's been a while since I've watched this one as well. I think I only watched it once when it first came out. So yeah, yeah, I don't really remember too much about it. So looking forward to hearing what your arguments are going to be. <laughs> Anyway, I just want to say thank you to everybody who has listened to this. Um, and, you know, hopefully you've got a little bit more out of The Matrix Reloaded than you came in with. Um, I know that I have. <laughs> but if you liked the episode, <laughs> why not give us a nice, lovely five-star review on Apple Podcasts? And check us out on all social media, our film trials on Twitter and films on trial on Instagram, YouTube and Facebook. That's it, everyone. The Matrix Reloaded is a hit, and I'm as surprised as you are. But we're going to be back in your ears next week with Thor. Goodbye. You're watching Matrix. Anyone else feel like the Architect? She reminds me of how going to spend some time.
0: Just sat in a room full of technology. The nicest suit you'll ever see. Lovely suit. Perfectly trimmed
2: beard.